The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the show, everybody. Please have a seat, folks. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Tensions... Tensions are really escalating between Russia and Ukraine as Vladimir Putin continues his naked aggression. Naked from the waist up. And <laughs> Russia has troops massed at the border. They've been doing this for months. And Russian officials like Sergei Lavrov and Tucker Carlson have been saying... <laughs> it's just a military exercise. And the Biden administration has been warning, that's all lies. Nobody masses three-quarters of their standing army on the border of a country they said doesn't exist and then doesn't invade. And tonight, you really get you really get a vibe right now that the borscht is about to hit the fan. <laughs> so don't forget, after the show, stick around for Ryan Seacrest rocking World War III Eve. <laughs> here's, what's, here's what's transpired just in the last 24 hours. Immediately after Putin unilaterally declared the two breakaway Ukrainian provinces were now independent nations, the Russian military moved into Donetsk. That is shocking. 1,490 rubles for an iron? <laughs> I wouldn't pay more than 500 kopecks. <laughs> this is only the beginning, because today the U.S. warned the Ukrainian government that the latest intelligence points to a full-scale Russian invasion imminently. Their first clue? The 190,000 troops with the bang-bang sticks and the all-steel shoot-mobiles. <laughs> that warning courtesy of the U.S. State Department. <laughs> sure enough. This afternoon, we learned that Russia moved nearly 100% of its troops into invasion-ready position. Of course, we can see all this with our satellites. No one doesn't see what's coming. But the Kremlin has claimed that rebel leaders in eastern Ukraine have asked Russia for military help to fend off Ukrainian aggression. Yes, they say Ukraine is the aggressor, just like Tokyo was asking for it by taunting Godzilla. But today, Ukrainian President Zelensky declared a 30-day state of emergency, calling up all military reservists between the ages of 18 and 60. Wow. 18 and 60. As a 57-year-old myself, <laughs> let me just say, I'm flattered. <laughs> but really? There's a reason I don't run out here anymore. <laughs> because right around here, my supply lines start to break down. A platoon of 60-year-olds makes no sense. The Russians will hear our knees popping from a mile away. <laughs> They're gonna... Our is a strong word. Our, our is a strong word. 
they're gonna keep leaving the battlefield to pee. <laughs> Where are they supposed to plug in their water picks and their CPAP machines? <laughs> Do the Ukrainian military tents even have walk-in bathtubs? Also, the Ukrainian government will now allow ordinary civilians to carry firearms. That's right, this situation is so dire, Ukraine has become Texas. <laughs> President Biden, Texas. Don't mess with Ukraine. You don't mess with Ukraine. President Biden has already started making Putin pay for his invasion, imposing sanctions on two of Russia's most prominent banks, and on a more personal note, sanctioning the sons of two of Putin's closest officials. If he's going after children of Putin's cronies, can I suggest a couple? <laughs> I would love it. That's right. Personally... There they go, there they go. I would love it, especially later in the summer. <laughs> Russia's acting nonchalant about all of this. Their ambassador to the U.S. tweeted, it is hard to imagine that someone in hashtag Washington is counting on Russian flag emoji to revise its foreign policy under the threat of sanctions. I don't remember a single day when our country lived without any restrictions from the Western world. Sanctions, sanctions. Great Russian people love suffering. We don't need decadent Western Apple phone. I typed this tweet on actual potato phone. <laughs> Hello, it is my dictator. Hi. <laughs> I kid, I kid. There is no one there. Is potato. Is potato. Some people. Eastern promises. Some people, of course, were disappointed that the sanctions weren't harsher. Ukraine's foreign minister tweeted. To stop Putin from further aggression, we call on partners to impose more sanctions on Russia now. First decisive steps were taken yesterday, and we are grateful for them. Now the pressure needs to step up to stop Putin. Hit his economy and cronies. Hit more. Hit hard. Hit now. Is this guy foreign minister or Kiev's morning DJ? Hit more. Hit hard. Keep those hits coming. Hits from the 80s, 90s, and today. Up next is a Zeppelin rock block on sanctions at 7. You're listening to WUKR with Crazy Dimitri and the Bear. Rock! I don't want to work. I just want to bang on the drum. Oh, diggity, 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 diggity. The U.S. acknowledges that sanctions didn't go as far as they could have gone, but this is just the first tranche of sanctions. If Putin escalates his aggression, the administration is considering far stiffer penalties, including blocking Russia from access to the U.S. dollar. Oh, really? <laughs> Bet you'd like to get your hands on this, wouldn't you, Vlad? Hmm? <laughs> Let me introduce you to my friend George here. Mm, that smells like wooden teeth. Mm. <laughs> you want this? Shake it up for your daddy, Vladdy. Today, more countries agreed to jump on the sanction bus, including Canada, Japan, and Australia. Oh, you do not want to mess with the Aussies. Because they're going to send this guy. <laughs> so, Kangaroo had it coming. Kangaroo. Oh, man, come on, man. <laughs> Looks like Putin's uh, going to start a deadly ground war that will trigger steep sanctions and no doubt cause pain for the Russian people. So why is he doing it? Some analysts think he's got... COVID-induced paranoia. And I, I get that. 
I mean, at one point, at the height of the pandemic, I started to think that Evie had watched the next episode of Bridgerton without me. <laughs> and I fired heavy artillery into the breakfast nook. <laughs> so far, every Western democracy is standing in solidarity opposing Putin, with the possible exception of the Republican Party, especially their dear leader, former president, super callous, fragile, racist, sexist, Nazi POTUS. <laughs> Gotta... I'll take it. Hey, Mary Poppins thing. Yesterday, yesterday, he was like the fourth caller on some radio show, and he waxed autocratic about the Russian leader. I went in yesterday, and there was a television screen, and I said, this is genius. Yeah, he, he couldn't believe it. How'd they get the people in there? <laughs> he went on. Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So Putin is now saying it's independent, a large section of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? I haven't seen a president cheer on the Russians this hard since the Cuban Missile Crisis when Eisenhower wore the T-shirt, Khrushchev is a zaddy. <laughs> then the former president's admiration took an even stranger turn. And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. So he wants Moscow to invade Mexico? <laughs> okay, you heard the man. Let's gas up the tanks. Go annex Cancun. I'm going to rename it Comrade Frogs. Shots, 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 shots. Start firing the shots. And in other... Sir. Sure. In other alarming news, Florida, where... <laughs> The GOP has advanced its don't say gay bill in the House. This is going to be awful for Florida's LGBTQ community and its karaoke bars. And next up is Jamie singing Sexual Healing by Marvin Redacted. <laughs> this bill, which the Republicans call the Parental Rights and Education Bill, stipulates that classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through third grade. Not mentioning gender identity could make it hard to start the class. Good morning, boys and girls, and I'm fired. <laughs> On the plus side, the first day of fourth grade is going to get super interesting. <laughs> All right, Brandon, shut the door. There's a whole lot of cool stuff we've been keeping from you. <laughs> Don't tell the third graders, or I'm... This bill would also give parents the power to sue violators. I hate to break it to you, parents, but whoever's trying to sue a teacher is going to be super disappointed. <laughs> I'm going to sue you for all you got, mister. I'm talking your stubby glue sticks and every last one of your copies of Red Badge of Courage that you had to buy yourself. That'll teach you to teach. We got a great show for you tonight. More Late Show Poncho after this. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. 
or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. John, I hold my hands. I got the, 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 the questions right here for our guest tonight from Showtime's uh, The Circus. The circus. We got uh, John Heilman, Mark McKinnon, and Jennifer Palmieri. Yes. Uh, they're out here to talk yes. about what's going on in the world, what's yes. happening in, in politics uh, here and around the world. Award-winning show, right? It is. It, you guys, it is, you know it's an award-winning show? You answered? Are they an award? It's got to be. We've got awards. They've got to have an awards. They're way more important than we are. They're on Showtime. Isn't that fancier? <laughs> it's a very fancy group yes. of people coming yes. out here in just a moment. Now, folks... I love a lot of things. But most of all, I love love. <laughs> and I love that I love it. Even the word love, I love. The L, the O, the V, and sexiest of all, that silent E. <laughs> Who is she? What's she hiding? What isn't she saying? <laughs> and you singles out there already know that dating apps have dominated the scene for almost a decade, but people are souring on them now because word on the street is that Gen Z is ready to break up with Tinder. That's right, Tinder is chuggy, high-key, sus, no cap, fam. <laughs> okay? And I don't have to explain to you what any of that means. With Tinder on the decline, there's a slew of new dating apps filling the void, and I'll tell you all about them in my new loverly segment, Romansplaining with Stephen Colbert. Dating apps edition. First up to fill the app gap is Snack, which describes itself as not your parents' dating app. That is great news because no one wants to accidentally match with their mom. Wow, this one seems really great. We have so much in common, same hometown, same last name. Oh, my God. Next up in the love machines is the actual new app Schmooze, which will show you memes to evaluate what kind of humor you like. At that point, you'll receive a hashtag match wreck with someone whose humor allegedly matches yours. The theory here being that if you share a sense of humor, you're more likely to find someone sexually attractive. For instance, you here in the theater laughed at many of my jokes in the monologue, and that's why they had to shoot me from the waist up. Even... and why I'm sitting down right now. <laughs> Even last-gen dating apps are trying to up their game because Bumble has acquired the Gen Z dating app Fruits, where users can specify their preferences for what kind of relationship they wish to find. If they post a watermelon, they're looking for friend with benefits. A cherry means they want a serious long-term relationship. Grape indicates they want to meet someone over a drink. And for some reason, on Fruits, the peach means that they're only interested in kissing. <laughs> Though, 
Though I do want to point out, it doesn't say what you're kissing. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully on fruits, you can soon also offer a nice tossed salad with eggplant, <laughs> then run through a sprinkler. <laughs> clearly. Clearly, it's the wild west of dating opportunities out there, and Papa wants to get his peach wet, which is why tonight I am launching my new line of Colbert proprietary dating apps, each with a cool new gimmick, guaranteed to make you say, all right. <laughs> First up, if you enjoyed fruits, why not try its sister app, Vegetables? <laughs> Vegetables is the app with its own hyper-specific sexual emoji codes. For instance, broccoli means you like it roughage. If you don't like snack, you might try Rex, which is actually is your parents' dating app. It's perfect for anyone who is fleeing a prophecy of patricide, solves the Sphinx's riddle, and accidentally sleeps with their mom, then gouges out their eyes in despair. <laughs> and finally, if you're hungry for love but find the pantry a bit bare, why not order out by visiting Grubhump? <laughs> That's where we send you your favorite meal and you are automatically matched with your delivery driver because... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> seems nice. It seems nice. Because no one understands you like the man who knows that all three of those sesame chickens are really for you. Coming up, the hosts of Showtime's The Circus. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Everybody joining me now are the hosts of Showtime's political docu-series, The Circus. Please welcome John Heilman, Mark McKinnon, and Jennifer Palmieri, everybody. <laughs> now, listen, you're all people who have uh, worked for presidents, uh, reported on presidents. Um, Russia, this invasion of Ukraine is a big test for uh, president, especially just after their first year has started here. This feels a little bit like the old days when I was a kid and Brezhnev would send out Andrei Gromyko to talk about whatever way the Russian bear was poking the eagle this time. Because a new president would always be tested by the Russians to see what their resistance was to Soviet aggression. Does this have any of that echo for you guys? Well, Stephen, first of all, I, I, I just want to... I was thinking back when we've been on your show before... The first time we were on, we announced, as it happened, the results when President Trump became president. I do remember The last that. time we were on was the I week I tried of... to forget it, but I... I know. Uh, I and uh, the last time was the week of the insurrection. Now, right. this week, we're on as Ukraine invaded. Next time you're f you want to call us, <laughs> you might think twice. <laughs> Fine. But yes, this is, this is th the biggest test, obviously, of Biden's presidency. And some would argue this is what he's built for, given his background as, a, as an internationalist and somebody who, who builds alliances. Uh, so, I mean, the thing that's interesting to think about this scenario right now is what would be happening if Donald Trump were president right now, who's such a Putin fan, <laughs> we'd probably be with the occupation forces. Now, what, what do you think about the case he's made so far, John? Because Biden has addressed the country a couple of times about this. He's put in a couple of tranches of sanctions, and there's bigger ones coming down the pipe. 
how has the case been made so far? Because he has to make the case to the American people that even though we're not going to send in troops, we're not going to be firing bullets, that Ukraine matters. You know, I think there was a, before, as we sit here right now, people say that the full-scale, first of all, the invasion's already started. Second of all, the full-scale invasion seems imminent. That's what U.S. intelligence is saying at this hour, right? So, you know, that, if, if Vladimir Putin is in Kiev in the course of the next week, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dead. You're talking about uh, the, the largest land war in Europe since World War II. It's like a world historical event. And I would say that, that up until this moment, People think Biden has done a pretty good job in the context of dealing with someone who's not a madman, but someone who is not amenable to normal forms of diplomatic pressure and suasion, right? So nobody in America right now wants there to be American troops there. The notion that sanctions are the best tool we have and that we're going to keep ratcheting them up. How do you keep the allies together? He's done that so far. NATO has been steadfast. He's, he's kept that unity of purpose that Putin doubted. Well, Jim, let's talk about the give a mouse a cookie aspect of this, because you were working at the White House when Putin seized Crimea, um, without losing a man, by the way. Like, it swept, swept over Crimea. What is it like internally in the White House dealing with Putin when he's on a war footing? That was, that was February of 2014 to sort of place everyone. And it was stunning and surreal because you think, you know, I think at the time we probably in retrospect underestimated what Putin's ambitions really were because we thought he was acting as a rational being. Um, and you, you just did not, we did not think he would really do this. Is he, is he really going to be, is he really going to annex a country for the first time, an independent country, uh, for the first time since World War II? Like, will he really be that irrational? And also, remember at the time, it's Afghanistan, it's Syria, there's all these other things happening in foreign policy. So I don't think that we appreciated like what he was willing to do. And, in the, and then, then in the intervening eight years, um, he's gotten stronger, consolidated his power, his military is stronger. Um, and just all that more dangerous. But, you know, in that moment when you're in the White House, you're having to decide, I don't want to misread this. Is, this. is this him trying to regain the Soviet Union or is this a small annexation of a country that America doesn't really care about? And, you know, getting that balance right, hundreds of thousands of lives are in the... Are in the uh, are at stake. We've got to take a break, uh, but when we come back, I will ask these smart folks... Why so many Republicans are pulling for Putin? Stick around. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Mark, um, war is a tragedy, an unmitigated tragedy, even when justified. And politics is often called uh, war by other means, or a, a, a proxy for war so that we don't have to use violence. What are the politics of this moment right now? Because as I was, we've talked about here and, and hit into my last, my last question, there has been a very strange shift for the Republican Party in the United States 
Again, I'm old enough to remember Gromyko. I'm old enough to remember the Republican Party is always willing to stand up against autocratic regimes that try to crush democracies. Why this change? Well, it's, it's stunning what's happening geopolitically with Putin. Not a rational actor now, as we obviously know. Mitt Romney was right in 2012, talking about the threat that he faced, and everybody laughed at him. But it's, it's, it's just shocking to me. To th I mean, one of the central tenets of the ideological... Uh, uh, ground floor of the Republican Party was anti-authoritarianism, particularly anti-Russia Putin uh, actors. And to see what's happening now uh, among the Republican Party, Joe Biden is twice as unpopular as Vladimir Putin in the Republican Party. So that tells you how political things have become, that people, people are supporting Putin just because they think it'll make Biden weaker. In other words, they're rooting, they want to win so badly it doesn't matter what's right or wrong. It just matters who wins. And if they think that Putin is the strong man in this case, and as Donald Trump said yesterday, it's a genius move. Right. Okay, let me, I want to make two points, um, one of which is I don't think it's right that Vladimir Putin's not a rational actor. And I think it's, 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 it's wrong to think that. I mean, we, when you hear about talks about camps and lists, it calls to mind Hitler, and, and, and he's not Hitler. And it calls to mind Stalin, and he's not Stalin. He's something else. And, and I think he may in some ways be as evil as those, as those two were and as, and as driven by um, a kind of a sense of kind of grand historical, a place in history that he's trying to reach for now as the restorer of the Soviet Union. But Mike McFaul, the, the, the ambassador, former ambassador to, to Russia for the United States, made this point with me on television yesterday. He pointed out, he said, Putin has fought in the following wars, Chechnya in 99, Georgia in 2008, Ukraine in 2014, and Syria in 2015. He's had a lot of experience fighting wars, won them all. I mean, you could, you could say he's a nut. You could also say the guy's fought five wars and won them all, and he, and he thinks he's gonna win again because he thinks the West is weak and divided. And that's my second point, which gets to Mark's thing, the, and, and to something Jen said a second ago. Starting before 2016, Vladimir Putin decided he was going to engage in a systematic campaign of misinformation, disinformation to try to divide the American people and sow distrust, division uh, within the Republican Party, within our country. He got Donald Trump elected or helped get Donald Trump elected. And now we have a more divided country than we've ever had before. And we have a Republican Party where Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, uh, the, the, that senator who shook John his fist. Back now, the guy, the guy from Missouri with the little tiny Josh, bird, bird Josh hands, Holly. the bird-handed insurrectionist, uh, Josh, Josh Hawley. They're all out there, kind of. They're all out there saying at this moment when Putin's thinking about launching a war that's going to kill hundreds of thousands of people, he's really clever. He's formidable. He's doing something really smart here. That is, ins that is just exactly. I, I was going to say insane, immoral, horrible, but it's also what Putin wanted. And it's what he planned. And to come back to the politics of this, Vladimir Putin has a lot of things on his mind. Land in Europe, his place in history, but also American domestic politics. And this is a test of Joe Biden. And there's no doubt Vladimir Putin would rather see Donald Trump back in the White House in 2024 than Joe Biden be there. And if he can weaken Biden in this process, it's another win for him. He's been winning over and over again. More with the hosts of Showtime's The Circus after this. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... 
Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we got to spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right. We're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Next week is Biden's first true State of the Union. He, he addressed last year, but this is the first State of the Union for him. We're live next Tuesday. Please join us. Um, I'd hate to stay up that late for nothing. <laughs> um, what are you guys looking for? What do, you, what do you expect this to be? I mean, I think the big, so, you know, I worked, uh, so I'd ask communication instructor, and the, the State of the Union is your most important moment, it's your biggest audience, it's where you tell the country what you're going to do, you frame up the choice for November. I think in this, this case, um, you know, you want to be talking about kitchen table issues. You don't want to be talking about Ukraine. But I think the choice of the, what the White House is wrestling with right now is how do we deal with Ukraine? Is it an issue we just talk about as sort of a side issue, or do we go big and make the arc of the speech that the battle for the country globally right now is autocracy versus democracy? It's happening abroad. This is an example of how it's happening abroad. It's happening at home right now. And next week in Texas, there's a special, there's a primary on March 1st. Uh, the mail-in, uh, mail-in ballots are being thrown out by the thousands because of the real voter ID. He could make the argument uh, that, you know, this is the same war that's happening and go, you know, it's not how you would normally use a State of the Union, but I do think that that is what's happening now. That is what this moment's about. And that's what presidential leadership would call for. And I think there's a, to go back to the point we were talking about before, I hate to be like Debbie Downer here today, and I, I, I have not cited Gromyko or Von Clausewitz, who you cited earlier, Stephen, without naming him. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I, I do think, you know, the reality is, again, camps, camps and lists, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dead in Ukraine and, and people being shipped off to, to, to camps is going to sober, is going to clarify the mind for a lot of people. And we haven't seen anything like that since the Iraq war. There's not been a real war. And again, this will be the first big European land war since World War II. And in a moment like that, the pressure on Joe Biden when he says sanctions over and over again, the pressure for it to be more than sanctions is going to be enormous. There are going to be a lot of people who are saying sanctions not enough. If, if, if Vladimir Putin is butchering people, is that going to be enough? He's going to have to make the case, I think, start to make that case at the State of the Union. And to Jen's point, I think it has to be part of a discussion about how autocracy is on the march around the world, not just with Vladimir Putin. It's happening in Hungary. It's happening up in Canada, let alone we got a French election where it's going to be an issue uh, on the far right uh, in a month from now. And we've got CPAC is going to go and do a satellite offshoot of CPAC in Viktor Orban's Hungary at the end of March, where Donald Trump is now, like Orban's like begging Trump to come, along with, I'm sure Tucker Carlson's going to broadcast live there for like about like three straight weeks. Like, that's, that's the fight now, right? That's, this, is a, this is connected to a large global thing. and It's about saving American democracy, and it's about saving democracy around the world. And Vladimir Putin is helping Joe Biden in that sense, because he's putting a very fine point on what the stakes are. At the end of the last season, the new season, season seven, starts on March 6th. Um, uh, and you, I would say the majority of the, season, of the seasons of the show happened during the previous administration and the, and the lead-up to that administration as well. You've had one year outside in, in with, a, with a new administration. A, how does it feel to be doing the show in, under these new conditions? 
Uh, and B, you ended last season hopefully. How do you well, start? Well, one of us did. Well, Mark did. <laughs> and one of us didn't. I know. I'd say. Mark, Mark felt like the world was in a, I'm a country prisoner was in a better of hope. Place. I'm a prisoner of hope. Well, what, what's your hope leading forward? Well, let's end with some hope, Mark. No pressure. Listen, I, you know, my hope is that, uh, that, that Biden was elected. I, mean, I think a lot of people say, well, you know, we thought he was going to be FDR. No, he didn't get elected to be FDR. He got elected to not be Donald Trump and to be a stable, normalizing force. And I think part, part of the challenge for him has been that the expectations were so high. And I think this, he's got the biggest challenge, in what, not just in his life, but maybe in the country's life, dealing with Ukraine. And, and his background, again, he could be the man for the moment, given his experience in the international sphere, creating alliances with NATO, putting that together. And at the end of the day, that's where I'm hopeful, that this guy's been through this drill before and knows how to do this. Put a, put a fine point on this. The one season, last season, was the first time we worked. We had Trump running in 2016. We had four years of Trump. Last season, was, the difference was supposed to be, we'll finally be done with Donald Trump. No such luck. <laughs> the thing we all wish upon a star for, Stephen, <laughs> is that by some magic fairy dust or some act of God that we'll eventually get to do a circus this season where we never have to say the word Trump. <laughs> season, <laughs> season seven of the circus premieres March 6th on Showtime. Coming up, comedian Russell Howard. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, you know my next guest from the Russell Howard Hour and his Netflix stand-up special, Lubricant. Please welcome Russell Howard. Hello. Look at this. I love gigging in America. You're so happy. <laughs> Look at you applauding yourself. We are, we are. I did a show in England recently. I was joking about my lazy eye. And this man stood up in the middle of the room and went, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it when you joke about your eye because I have got a lazy eye. So surely if anyone can, you can look the other way. <laughs> so you don't mind that. He disagreed, he's very upset. <laughs> Physically and metaphorically, we couldn't see eye to eye. He didn't like that. <laughs> we have to laugh at ourselves. We have to, particularly if you're British, we're a ludicrous nation. There was a headline in an English newspaper the other day that genuinely said, can hackers secretly control our hot tubs? <laughs> How good is your life if that's a genuine concern? I can't sleep, Roger, it's the jacuzzi. <laughs> We're being hacked. <laughs> it's the Russians, Rog. Like there's some operative in Moscow. Shall we destabilize their economy? <laughs> no. Shall we further invade Ukraine? No. Let's head to Britain. 
let's make the outside bath less bubbly than they desire. <laughs> and this article went on. Apparently, hackers can control your fridge, your TV, and my favorite, your sex toy. Again, it's unlikely, isn't it? Even if they could, what's the worst that'll happen? You'll have a lovely orgasm. At the very least, that is a great excuse. I can't stop it, Brian. It's Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Think it. Think it through. Five times he's had me doing it today. That's the worst that's going to happen. It's not like there's going to be remote control sex toys leaping out of cupboards, chasing British men down the street. You're not going to switch on the BBC News. Five more people were today dildo to death. <laughs> The footage is far too shocking, but we do have their final words. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell, yeah. And... We have to laugh at ourselves. Laughter is the lubricant that makes life livable. And human beings are weird. We blame animals for our creepy behavior. Have you noticed that? You know the phrase catfish? Someone goes online, pretends to be someone else. Catfish don't do that. <laughs> They're not in the sea. Show us your I'm a dolphin. <laughs> we blame animals all the time. Have you ever seen a wolf whistle? Have you ever seen a badger badger? Have you ever seen an elephant in a room go, I know? <laughs> no, that's us, because we're weird. Particularly online. We behave online in a way we'd never do in real life. Instagram is a great example. You can see a picture of a girl in a bikini. You can like it. Imagine doing that in real life. I like that. <laughs> that is all right, that is. <laughs> Dave, give me that eggplant. <laughs> I'm going to wave a vegetable at a girl I don't know. <laughs> we live in baffling times. Look at politics. The left are too left and the right are too right. COVID's not real. We need more guns. And the left are just as bad. What are we going to call female fishermen? And <laughs> <laughs> it is real, vajanglers. <laughs> Can we not discuss something that matters? Look at British politics. It's exhausting. It's proof that the cream can rise to the top, but turds can float there too. Our leader is Boris Johnson. Yours is asleep, ours is passed out. <laughs> He's part alpaca, part thesaurus. You never know what is going to tumble out of his mouth. His brain is like cards against humanity. <laughs> and he's in charge of us. And here's an interesting thing. Did you know that the countries run by women did better in the pandemic than the ones run by men? <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was such a great... It's an amazing reaction. The women were all cheering. You feel all the blokes going, well, you know, I was never given the opportunity. <laughs> I mean, sure, I can't run a fantasy football team, but I could definitely. <laughs> it makes total sense to me. All the women I know, compassionate, good in a crisis. I was on the tube in London recently, and a lady got stuck in the train door, and her friends rescued her. They were like, oh, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Started stroking her hair. I was scared, girls. I was scared. If that was a man, he'd still be in the door. Just, lads, lads, seriously. Say hello to TikTok, mate. You're going viral. <laughs> it makes total sense to me. You know, 
the female leaders, they looked after the nations like mums. That's what mums do, innit? They protect you. They warn you about things you wouldn't even consider. Remember when you were five, minding your own business? Your mum's just like, don't run with scissors. <laughs> All right. I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> don't put a knife in a plug socket again. Not on my to-do list. This was the weirdest, when you were eight. Don't put two pencils up your nose and smash your head on a desk. <laughs> Thank God you're here, Mum. We were literally about to play Suicide Walrus. How did you know? Joy, thank you so much for having me. What an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. You can catch Russell on his U.S. leg of his World Comedy Tour respite. Tickets are available at his website. Russell Howard, everybody. Thanks, Russell. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.